Hey, it's Luke from The Lever. Just a quick trigger warning for those who don't want to hear about sexual violence and murder. If that's not for you, give this week a miss. Please check out our first episode on class warfare as it relates to Poo Jogger and medieval realty. We'll see you next week for episode three. Cheers. We will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. When you exert a force on one end of the lever, it produces another force here on the other end to lift the load. In summing up, summing up it's Marbo, it's justice, justice, it's law, it's the vibe, and uh, no, that's it, it's the vibe. Shall we? Welcome everyone to uh, episode two of The Lever. Very happy to be joined by Kat. Hi. <laughs> Mel. Hello. Ben. Hello. Welcome and thank you folks for coming along. I was so surprised how great and fun our first recording was. Last week it was like, oh, difficult topics, how are they political? Where do we find the levity and really serious problems about, you know, politics and class and our sort of experience of politics rather than sort of big egghead stuff? And I think I said in the first episode, kind of like the drum, but we're not neoliberal fuckwits. I think that was generally the point of departure. <laughs> so why not get really arrogant and think that just in our second episode is the perfect time to talk about men's violence against women because I've been just listening and reading and there's a big feeling out there that not enough men are engaging on this topic. I'm like, well, I did just start a bloody podcast. What better opportunity could there be? And one thing I did want to add an instant improvement from last week to um, acknowledge country, which we did in the text of our last episode, but not in the actual podcast, which was poor of us and me. So just want to acknowledge that we're recording this podcast on Wurundjeri land, Boon Wurrung and Woiwurrung land of the Kulin Nation. Acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and that we want to pay our respects to elders past and present and families from those groups as well. Just to get us going, I want to introduce the new idea of, of just emptying our pockets and talking about what we're coming in with, of just where we're coming from and where we're at. So who would like to start us off? I will, because it's completely tragic and ridiculous, and I'm such a cliche vegetarian person. In my pocket, I have like an iron and B12 wipeout, and uh, I find that a little embarrassing. Great. Vegetarian of 30 years, (laughs) wiped out. What does that mean? How does that affect you? Oh, tired, dizzy. If I can't follow my own train of thought, well, we'll just write that off as a... I'm a bit unwell. Wow. So you've had them tested or you just know Yeah, symptoms? yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm on the syringes. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm getting good. Oh, there's a lot of good stuff going around. Though. Yeah. Wow. How many of your friends would have guessed that this would be the thing to get you on the syringes, Mel? <laughs> uh, none. <laughs> ben, Kat, empty your pockets. Please, far away. Well, on that topic, I, I took two by B12s this morning. And I've actually been really run down. Could be the hours I'm keeping. Could, Could be, be winter. the iron. Could, Could be, be winter. winter too. But I take, sometimes I'll take 10 supplements in the morning, like just a whole handful. B12, wow. B6, B3, Mega B, wow. um, folic acids, magnesium, zinc, ginkgo. Is this one reason acid. why you've done your PhD and I haven't? Could this <laughs> no, be a separating? No, no. I think this is just profit line for Blackmores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, you got shares in the company. Oh, I'm sending it all off to China. Uh, well, you know, you're well and I'm not, so. Like, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. I feel like at a certain point your vitamin supplements become a bit sci-fi, like 
you become a bit cybernetic and you know more than human or something. Hope so. Somewhere in that handful of stuff. I wish. He's yeah. hoping. Yeah. Didn't our viewers would be able to tell there's a cat on Under the, the recording device? Yeah, yeah, that's so, so. Emptying your pockets, cat. What did you come in with? I let you in a couple of hours ago. I was late. You actually were here and I wasn't. Yeah, no, it was just cold out in the street, patting a kitten. But you bonded. Now you're the favourite. Another yeah. insufficient response from your male friends <laughs> in that they weren't home when you had organised the time that you'd be there by. Yeah. So you were saying before that you've made your world nice and small, so you don't necessarily have anything in your pockets. Is that right? Yeah. So it's I guess it's less of a pocket, more of a closet. Um, <laughs> and I find it interesting that everyone's been talking, commenting on their health, because that's what preoccupies my life. Having an illness, it's made my life quite small and regimented. But at the same time, I quite enjoy. For the first time, having an illness has actually made me adult. So <laughs> you know, I pack my lunches and I go to work and I go to the gym and then I go home and I sleep. So I'm sort of benefiting in a strange way. Amazing. <laughs> if I'm going to empty my pockets, I have to say that I've been stressing out about this episode all week. And I woke up at about three o'clock on Sunday morning. And I, I was like, no, no, we have to do men's violence against women. Like we have to do it as a topic because of just that critical mass of reading a lot of my friends' responses and talking to them in, in real life about the issue and about like a widespread disappointment. I instantly thought, well, that's what I have to do, but feeling completely ill-equipped to actually get through this topic. So I'm yeah, really relying on you three and to be really honest and open, but also to hold me to account if I'm getting something wrong or something needs to be pointed in the right direction. And because I want this show to be like, things are so terrible that you have to laugh and it's sort of leaning in hard to the absurdity, there's no way I'm ready to do that on the issue of men's violence against women. And I, I would be surprised if other people <laughs> were at that space. So, yeah, so I've sort of thought, what can I do? Sort of emptying my pockets involved some research last night. I've been doing like lots of online marketing. If anything goes wrong, it might be along these lines. Trying to communicate in good faith could go wrong. Are you have a cat? I did. I'm going to get another one. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, anyone catch that line? I'll just play it again. Are you have a cat? I did. I'm going to get another one. Okay. She's awesome. <laughs> Anyone? Awkward. Care to interpret? <laughs> well, everything's awesome in Southern California. It's so awesome. I wonder if he was driving home and went, oh no, she has had her cat died. Yeah. <laughs> so there might be a point in time when the conversation does get really hard, and rather than pretend it's not being hard, then I, of course, me being me, would prefer to sort of lean in on this topic. So I'm going to just. You know, and if anyone wants a signal, like what's our team signal? Like, is it a is it a salute or a, a peace sign or something to play the following? When keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> I just thought that might be a good moment of like a, a little soft reset that we're trying to keep it real and do something very authentic, but that we want it to be entertaining too, and we want it to be good listening. I don't want to scare off. The potential listeners of the lever in just the second episode but then i also don't want to throw a really serious topic under the bus so uh please feel free to write in and at me on twitter and and on the facebook dissatisfunctional tv uh group on on facebook if this is really a, a huge problem and i've completely stuffed up the entire thing so i'd be really interested to hear because it might just be that when keeping it real goes wrong ends up being the best sort of description of what actually happened. But anyway, what, what do you guys think of that? <laughs> we'll go with that. We'll go with it, yeah. <laughs> What's our symbol? What's our symbol, Luke? <laughs> <laughs> just the one finger, okay? All right. The yeah. middle finger, okay. So someone's going someone's gonna to just flip me the bird 
And that's going to be the sign for us as a group to acknowledge that this is one of those times... When keeping it real goes wrong. And, you know, let's just say I've always been at those parties where I'm like, it's time to pull the fire alarm and end this party so that I can get out of this terrible situation. I do it to myself and that's why it really hurts. Would anyone like to take us through where we've begun on this shared communal trauma about men's violence against women? Would someone like paint a picture for our listeners and get us all on the same page? Well, I think the conversation is being had whether we contribute or not and so I think the question for us is are we satisfied with the discourse that's out there because in our the absence of our voice that place is being taken by a someone so yeah the question really is are you satisfied with the discourse that's out there is there something that you can bring and and more broadly I have some thoughts around that it is important to have the discourse because in the absence of of like I I wonder you know did we stop paying attention did we stop talking like what happened after Gilma here we are again I think Me Too has made a significant impact on how we've responded Gilma I think the difference was you know a combination of the footage that Adrian Bailey was known to police he had a history of violence and there was a genuine sense of terror about it mm. Jill being such a familiar type of person that she could have easily she's just so knowable and she's walking up a street that we've all walked home mm. on yeah sure, at some point in the last so years. you know then me too happens and a lot of women who haven't been talking have stepped up to the chorus and there's this sort of united voice what is it do you think about Eurydice Dixon's rape and murder that has created such a passionate conversation amongst Australian people and particularly Australian women and put the focus on our culture that we all participate in, do you think, Kat? I don't think it was so much her death. It was more the immediate response from the police and women just going, motherfucker, I have done so much. (laughs) Do not tell me to get my shit together. The response of my friends and colleagues to the police advice Mm -hmm. for women out there and staying safe was where it ramped up a notch. And and telling them to have situational awareness. like Mm. It's called patriarchy. It's like scanning for rapists every five seconds. Like yeah Mm. Yeah. is that the best we can do and I think as the Kathleen Maltzan article sort of said what he said could have set the tone and a different tone and the tone that it set was unpalatable and unthinkable and had no comfort at all for everyone in shock and those grieving Mm. yeah situational awareness and then a couple of myths of that if you're walking around with your keys between your fingers or with your phone out you're somehow safe Mm. Uh, it's just really dated uh, mm. and it's just not true like mm. I'm a big unit and I've got no doubt that 90% of men and women the keys in the, between their fingers and their, their phones wouldn't it would not be a mm. factor it would It'd not be, be a, a problem short battle. it would be a short battle man or woman uh, honestly the idea yeah. that someone who intends violence would be, would be stopped yeah. would be stopped by that is completely ridiculous yeah mm. before we get further into that because i want to come back to the police response kathleen Moltan that was who brilliant. worked mm. with women yeah a guardian article last week a guardian article by kathleen Moltan, who is the green party's candidate for richmond she's worked with women in 
who have suffered violence and, and danger and, you know, um, people trafficking and so on. So what she suggested, like words she put in the mouth of the police commissioner, which, I yeah, fantastic, fantastic mm. stuff. I was personally relieved to see it articulated because mm. I, I knew it needed to be different, but I wasn't sure how. But I do want to go to you, Ben, and ask your thoughts and reflections with this stuff. When did it get on your radar? And Well, I mean, obviously, there's so much relatability in this case. That's an area where I live and work and uh, play soccer on that very field. And Me Too is such a such part of this because what it's saying is that these aren't isolated acts. Me Too is connecting them all up. And mm. It's a structural power relation mm. yep. um, that men have. And I brought up in a tutorial my students talking about Me Too. And, and someone actually said, yeah, but it's not all men. Um, oh, <laughs> tag. Which is yeah. A, yeah. What's the sound I can add in post of my hand going through my face and out the back of my head? <laughs> but it was almost like the other 14 people in that tutorial just looked agog. And I didn't even have to say, mm. in relation to women should look after themselves, in the apology that the police made, oh, yeah, we could have phrased that better, they actually kind of doubled down. They said something even more stupid. <laughs> Classic. Something stupid like, oh, but we've been keeping an eye out and there doesn't seem to be too many murdering rapists around Carlton North anymore lately. Or something, oh. something so stupid. Wow. I was like outrageous. waiting for the outcry. But uh, ben, are you trying to uh, somehow suggest that uh, police in their official uh, statements may... <laughs> or may not say or not say things that do or do not adequately or inadequately address or not address situation or situations. Situational awareness is, is <laughs> a good example of that. It's almost like, a, you know how like David Foster Wallace like writes his novels and he captures, like, say, marketing language and then and then discovers, like, the poetry of, of an obscene corporate speak and then tries to defamiliarise and turn it into an art form and just, like, gets so layered into it. I feel like police public speaking could be such an area of, like, I imagine these poor senior policemen going home and just trying to conduct relationships with their partners and kids <laughs> and just completely fucking them up left and right and in the most, like, hilarious of ways. Well, police culture is really right-wing, but at the top they, there's a lot of pressure on them to kind of not be right-wing. Mm and be sensitive. What happened in your tube? Where did that conversation go? You said you didn't need to interject. It was good because it actually showed that the 14 out of 15 people, whatever their personal politics is, they can see that this is actually a great illustration. The structural versus the agential. Few bad apples versus... I mean, because Me Too is exactly creating the chain. Mm. Creating the chain and seeing that it's something solid. Mm. It's not isolated. It's, mm. it's all expressions of the same thing. Yes, yes. Can I, can I just share a really personal reflection of when Jill Ma died, I was out of, I was living in England and I felt the sense of place and I felt the kind of like the betrayal of the location and just how close to home it was. And, and I, in my memory, I was there because I was obsessing with every single friend's comment on social media about it and seeing really, like it really hit that communal trauma level. And in the conversation that kind of followed, I feel like I went from being a pretty poor ally to a less poor ally. During that conversation in the wake of Jill Maher dying, I stopped calling myself a feminist because I said, even though I've got a lot of female friends who would be happy for me being a feminist, there's too many women who say, no, you can't be a feminist. We don't want our male allies to accompany us on reclaiming the night in these marches. We Women need to get together and make this statement. We don't want men bending. And so I... And it's a really open question to any of you. If Me Too's happened in between and now we've got Eurydice Dixon's rape and murder and, and a different response happening where it's men are not doing enough 
why are you not doing that? You're not talking, you're not talking about it, you're not posting about it. It's a lonely experience yeah. having half of our port network shut down and be completely silent on this issue. Before Me Too and Jill Ma, that it was women collectively mourning. And I think women were just so used to fighting for their cause for themselves. Now Me Too has happened, there is a shift in the focus on men getting justice, but also asking the good men to stand up. And now we actually want them to participate. Well, this is me. I don't know. Mm. But I see a cultural shift in wanting everybody to be included in this change. And I'm not sure that that was quite there when Jilma was Mm. murdered. Mm. I think our thinking has moved along. Like, I just sort of think our processing has moved along since then so like i i remember reclaiming the street i remember mm. the whole jilma stories just so clearly i was so involved and traumatized by it. not because of some personal connection but just because i was traumatized by the entire everything about it and i actually missed all of this because i'm not really on social media and i prefer not to consume media most of the time my thoughts are just that since that point like we we have just the conversation has evolved and we know that we can't like any great change we can't do it alone and shouldn't do and you've got bodies like the royal commission coming out and specifically saying like the way to change systemic violence against women is to work with our boys mm. um, which for me begs the question well what is our generation a write-off like what do we do now that's fine we'll mm. parent our children in a different way and use all the latest information to create a better society for them but what now mm. what for us I always grew up with my mum making the critique that um, baby boomer mums had asked their taught women to want more and expect more and have a lot more choices and that hadn't done anything to address the boys and, and how they'd raised their boys who were who Gen X, Gen Y, millennials to change their behaviour and ideas about women and, mm. and sharing that social or communal space. So, yeah, as I get older, I understand greater levels of that consistent point that I heard. I appreciate that. Well, in my family, you know, with a baby boomer mother and father, but of the Catholic kind of upbringing, so our cultural norm was to not talk about uncomfortable things. So Mm. that would have been in the bucket of bit uncomfortable, so we just won't broach that. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's right. You don't really raise boys. Boys just grow into boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will just grow into men. And once they it's become weird. boys, they, they <coughs> apparently will be boys, <laughs> which is incredible. We're just one of the boys. Like, my mind just exploded. Yeah. There was that book um, by Steve Bidoff like, called Raising, raising Boys. boys. Was yeah, that? there's a like, Raising Girls one as well. Early 90s. Mm. Yeah, but it's almost like we were talking about before. Um, there's a lot of you know, instruction passed down to, to women how you should act. Mm. Whereas I think that's a bit asymmetrical when it comes to boys. Mm. I'm not going to get into what I know or what I don't know. Here's what I know. No one is the suppository of all wisdom. If you're finding this conversation difficult and if you're in a crisis, you can call Lifeline on 131114 within Australia. If you're looking for help with saying no to domestic violence, you can call the Men's Referral Service on 1300 766 491. If you want to report or discuss any family or domestic violence or sexual assault, you can call 1800RESPECT. That's 1800 737 732. If you're under 18, you can call the Kids Helpline on 1800 
551 800. And if you're a couple in crisis, you can call Relationships Australia 1300 364 277. Take care out there. It's like medicine, though. You have to, you have to write this stuff or else what are you, you going to do with the feelings inside? This is Kathleen Moldsan's proposed speech that she would rather hear acknowledging that the police are leaders in our community and set standards. We speak first to women. Many of you are feeling justifiably frightened and angry. We want you to know that the Victorian police will do everything in our power to find this perpetrator and bring them to justice. If you feel under threat, if you feel the need to report a crime against you, if you have information that can help us identify a perpetrator, we are here to listen to you and we will back you. Be assured the Victorian police affirms your right to life, to safety, to freedom of movement. We do not accept that men's violence is inevitable. It is the rotten fruit of men's supremacy. Together we will continue to challenge the lie that men are better than women. Now we speak to men. Be mindful at this time that women may be understandably fearful of you. They cannot tell which men are violent and which are not. Show situational awareness when you are around women. Do everything you can to minimise ambiguous or threatening behaviour around them. And to affirm women's equality and right to safety, Now we speak to men who fear they could harm someone. This is a choice you should not make. Ring the men's referral service. Get help. If you go on to commit a crime, we will do everything possible to find you. The time when police turned a blind eye to men's violence against women and children is over. That just, that really affected me. There was a great deal of comfort in that. Uh, How my ears would love to hear that kind of statement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember when I read it for the first time and I was like, I've never heard anything like that before. Mm-hmm. Had that have been said when Iridis was murdered, how that would have shifted the dialogue that we would have had as yes. a as a group, Absolutely. as a community. Um, and it's a shame that we've missed that opportunity before mm-hmm. people go RA over plastic bags. Yeah. <laughs> ben? Well, as, as she wrote, um, actually the need for situation awareness uh, lies with men. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. That's right. I love that. And oh, that's, that's extraordinary. Hey, what you reading for? <laughs> we will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. Can you say one thing about how initially you didn't necessarily feel like you were authorised, you were expert enough to even come and speak on this? Lots of people out there would love to know that it's not like all women are walking around being feeling like they're total experts. And yeah. men, because they're too dumb, can't say anything. Yeah. I've always found it very hard to digest political issues and things that are going on. And I've always relied on friends who are politically active to, you know, give me the rundown. Mm. And I'll trust their compass. Filter the, this for me. Yeah. I'll trust their compass in the world and, and roll with that. And But this is an issue that you don't really need to be that smart <laughs> to know What's right and wrong? Can we, and we, can we just leave aside, like, maybe a difference of opinion of how smart you actually are? <laughs> and it dawned on me that, you know, whether you have an ability to articulate yourself or not, whether you're confident or not, you just got to roll your sleeves up and get into this. I think in my 20s, I thought that being sexually objectified would, was something I'd outgrow. Mm. And I didn't outgrow it. And then it... it it finally dawned on me, and it's a little late, that the, the, the concept of even outgrowing it in the first place is absurd. 
because like why would it be? Why would yeah, it be why, why, yeah, why would you grow into that and mm. then outgrow it? Why wasn't I schooled earlier? It's like, why is this even happening in my 30s? Why, why is it so late in my life that mm. I am getting this awareness? When you exert a force on one end of the lever, it produces another force here on the other end to lift the load. So we're just taking, uh, we're just taking a bit of a break because we're refilling our drinks. And like, if anyone feels challenged or upset, we're gonna we're gonna pause and let people kind of figure it out and not sort of race ahead. And if you're listening to this and and you're feeling challenged or upset, feel free to pause and have a drink, uh, ring a friend, pat the dog, whatever you need to do, or seek help. The goal here is obviously no violence against women. It seems there's two types, and the type that we've, we're talking about, particularly with Eurydice, is a type that's very, very difficult to change. Was the fact that whoever perpetrated this horrible crime and Adrian Bailey against Jill Ma, was that the result of a culture that is a little bit weak on issues of violence against women? Or were these really exceptional cases? There was no deficit, I'd like to think, in the minds of those two individuals when it came to, was this a, is this a good idea? Is this a moral thing, what I'm about to do? I think they knew that, and they weren't too worried about their reputation going forward. So how much can culture really stamp out all violence against women? Yeah. Mm. I, I think um, these kind of attacks are the exception to the rule of men's violence against women, but they occur because of a system that enables that kind of attitude towards women. And facilitates a power dynamic as well. A power dynamic. Maybe one of the differences was that what Me Too's done, it's put all men on a spectrum of rape culture. And even like, to me, I would have thought tangential, but depending who you ask, not. The way boys treat other boys in primary school and high school, affecting, you know, feminising other boys they tease or learning to sort of control and and have power over the people around them and and it's sort of all starting from there so that it's men's violence against other men which is also part of it but a lot i mean a lot of people tell you that's men's violence against anything Mm. right right we're talking about men's violence yes men's violence and development predominantly women at a landslide that are um the victims and i think male violence the connector there is power yeah you know physical ideological like whatever it's power yeah. Structural. Mm. So the younger millennials, I'm still technically a millennial apparently, but the younger ones, are, they're learning about consent. They're learning about the impact of alcohol and statistically they're drinking less than our generation. I wish I had learnt about consent. Uh, we got sex ed and we sort of got an idea about consent, but we didn't really learn what it meant as your body is your own thing. Mm. And for me personally, I think that would have been the difference in not being in an abusive relationship in my early 20s. Mm. Being able to identify it and get out of it and possibly going to the police. Mm. And I considered myself an intelligent, strong person and I still ended up in a situation like that. Had the Me Too campaign happened before that, Mm. wouldn't have fucking stood for it. Mm. But I didn't have that collective voice backing me to get mm. out of that situation. So, you know, change is happening because of everything that's going on. Was it the collective voice and the sense of solidarity or was it something to do with a slightly new vocabulary 
that we have now. Combination of both. Yeah. I think having a vocabulary to explain what is actually happening. And to explain um, it to yourself. Yeah. Understanding consent, especially. Mm. Particularly in a domestic relationship where it seems quite ambiguous. Mm. Like it's quite blurry. Mm. You know, you're with this person. It's, it's quite strange. But then when there's a, a group of people out there that are, you know, standing up to this, you know you've got a people mm. to go to. Yeah. They're enforcing a norm. Yeah, they are. Before, they it's are. It's like, hey, is it, am I just being unreasonable here? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And it's changing the perception of, you know, I guess, you know, to speak personally about the abusive relationship that I was in, when I told she said, oh, well, you know, you can be a bit of a pain sometimes. Wow. Uh, wow. wow. I was like, no, 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 you really don't, you don't get it. He's doing this. And I think... Post Me Too, she would be very different about that. Mm. Or, I don't know, we've just come a long way. Yeah, a, I feel like culture. we're much better equipped with ideas around, as you say, boundaries, norms, and the language as well. So mm. actually having the words to verbalise the thing that just happened to me. Yeah. Mm. And, and, also, and having permission and to as a, And as a group, not being scared of it, you yes. know. Um, you know, when someone, you know, 10 years ago or so would say, oh, so-and-so's an abusive relationship people go oh you want to get into that mm. or you don't you don't really know what's going on if whereas the family's got its dark secrets yeah yes, that's right. whereas now people are just like well let's get into that yeah mm. that's right. does she There's need help to we... share yeah yeah and the shame is reduced well, shame has been given space mm. which is nice <laughs> yes I, I just wonder if like if those cultural norms are shifting though if Eurydice's murder shows that only half there's been a big wrenching right down the middle that that so many men are rejecting the idea that they're on a spectrum with rapists and murderers and domestic violence i don't i think they're rejecting it i think women at the moment are being empowered as how to verbalize what's going on men haven't really been given a tool yet Mm. So I'm asking them to come to the table. I realise no one's helping them. Mm-hmm. And I get that there's male privilege and maybe you should get your shit together and pull your socks up and come to yeah. figure out how to come to the table. Yeah. But there's systemic and cultural things that have impacted them. I don't I don't know where I'm going with this. But so is there a mix of empathy and... I hear that, a mix of empathy I, and accountability. I think of some of the fractured men in my life who have extreme emotional difficulties expressing themselves and it's not necessarily because Mm. of a hardship but because they never got the fucking tools in the first Mm, place that's Mm. right and i feel so free you know like Mm. i've i've had the same kind of things happen to me but i can talk to the cows come home about my Mm. feelings about it and i'm happy to go to therapy whereas it would take them 10 years to go to therapy i'd like to put out there that maybe we're inviting the men in the wrong way yeah we are you know through just the way society and and women relate like okay so forgive me broad brush strokes but comfortable talking generally more in touch with our emotions and sharing them and in our circles we have support structures to encourage and foster that and we're perhaps inviting the men into those existing spaces that we're very very comfortable with but it's an unknown, maybe it's t- it's the wrong space for them. So maybe the question's around, well, how do you share, contribute and take action in your own way? 
But I thought two weeks ago, Melanie, you were here, we decided that we weren't going to spend too much time psychologizing poo jogger and, <laughs> and why poo jogger was breaking the rules of society. And we weren't going to sort of, you know, I think it was Nick's point, like we weren't going to obsess about what's going on in the psychology to explain why people are falling so short. So I guess this is the point where I'm saying, what, men not being able to come and talk about this, it's sort of like mini social poo jogger. No, I think it's sort of the backstory of why we're in this place. Okay. There's a lot of pressure on a lot of men. And culturally and generationally, a lot of them don't have an outlet. Like, they don't have a mate they can express their emotions to. Mm. Or even their partner. They don't Mm. have that vocabulary. Maybe, like, all men, yes, all men, need kind of therapy when they're growing up or they need some special training yeah i don't know because it's, it's pretty bloody difficult being anyone in today's society mm. uh, a lot have got a lot of privileges that help them get through that difficulty but a lot don't yeah on that note Kat, did you notice the pattern of, around the men who were reacting different ways to this issue massive generalizations because i was stalking everybody on facebook and trying to see who was responding and who wasn't and is that a showing of how bothered you were by the lack of response is that where that came from or that you stalk everyone on facebook all the time no i i just got really fixated right (laughs) something in me cracked you know i made my post about calling the good men the feminists the men that are in social change the men that have agency and platform to to you know come to the table where are you Mm -hmm. you know you're needed Mm. This is a community issue. You need to be here. And a week went by and very particular people that I'm friends with are absent. And I'm so disappointed by it. And this is a mix of social media and just meeting up for coffees and conversations at work. Yeah, having conversations. Yes, so you're, you're asking about the spectrum of response the demographic so it is a generalization i don't want to be we're doing some broad brush strokes for yeah, sure broad yeah brush we strokes. can't avoid it really. but I, I did find that the men who responded in a positive way were of an ethnic minority had a disability had experienced uh, rape or sexual violence in some capacity and that very generally speaking the privileged white men in the room were absent even if they had a foot in the camp of being a social changer or a progressive person or a... Absolutely then. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I still haven't concluded what I think or feel about that and I want to give it some time. Mm. But um, I guess when you're at the top, when you're the privileged white male, you've been served everything. If you're not stepping in, you're, you're not contributing to the shifts that are required Mm. this won't actually change without them stepping in Mm. this is why i wanted to talk about this like breaking down the demographics as ben was talking about men with different levels of privilege or capacity to understand and now you're talking about the age gaps and you know we start trying to figure out what's going on there and that's not the same as giving people a pass what what happens to our accountability and what needs to happen yeah i feel like it can be a knee-jerk reaction in any kind of progressive arena to say your privilege is the reason that you are such a fucking idiot and actually that noticing the demographics and key features of people who were and were not participating rather than just a knee-jerk reaction 
that's political, like all well, people who say that are on the left. It really is like a like it puts a little bit of meat on the bone about the argument of how privilege makes it optional about whether you get involved. Because because Mel and Kat both you guys were saying before about what well, women have to engage, but men seem to be able to choose not to, or yeah. and, and how that made you feel. I was just going to maybe go against my instinct by suggesting that or just questioning are men going against the grain or have they just not found their platform? I mean, I don't want to excuse anything, but I also don't want to unnecessarily polarise and demonise. And I don't personally know the answer. And a couple of my male friends in my inner circle, they're not being intentionally silent. They're busy in their worlds and they just haven't come upon a platform Mm. where they're comfortable contributing. And Mm. so for me, I think there's just a sensitivity there around being too accusatory and demonising whilst completely acknowledging everything that you've said and that there is so much room for growth and participation from our peers Mm. Mm. well i mean if you're a conservative um on this issue then you're talking about individual responsibility if you're a conservative you're talking about basically leaving things as they are so i think if you're a conservative on this you're part of the problem Mm. relatively like we are our culture is at the forefront of equality Mm. there's not much better certainly not at a civilizational cultural level that I can think of. Conservatives, you don't see them saying, guys, we need to have a conversation about this. Mm. It's like, that dude needed to get his shit together. You know, mm. he just didn't measure up morally. Mm. Mm. You know? Conservatives are not inclined at all to to put their hands up and, and uh, as you say, like, come to the party in this. And it's only 40% of, of the men in, in our country vote conservative. Mm. So there's a huge problem there. I wouldn't say these are people that identify as conservative, though. The the people that you have a problem with, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It's and like that makes conservative, the, worse. the conservative mm. element in every. I mean, I've got conservative parts of my makeup of my values. Like I've got a big progressive chunk and a bit of a conservative chunk. And you break down a progressive, and like the democracy ideals might fall down, uh, so they can institute the benevolent dictatorship that they sort of dream about every night. You know, so so people are complex. We can't just be slotted onto like one uh, political spectrum. But I've been trying to be very in touch with my, if it's a conservative element, that wants to say, no, no, these are monsters who break the law and should be punished. And to do that, we need to fund greater police presence and stuff. And I don't want to hear about preventative health measures that would create a more widespread change society that might create less violent offenders because i think i think the fact that this 19 year old offender i mean it's very offensive that his lawyer like cited him potentially being autistic because mm. I've, I've you know i've just never been threatened by my autistic friends so that's just obviously bullshit but the family being so shocked to me that's that's also a little bit of a evidence that these monstrous attacks come from the spectrum that all men are on not from something far away um, even when i was talking about on social media another man in canberra asked me by citing that he was from broad meadows was that my way of distancing and saying the inner urban men have got it good but it's the men in broadie they're the ones you really have to be careful of which of course i wasn't saying two seconds from knife point uh, mm-hmm. you know very uh 
uh, very, very not, comfortable with... Um, not safe, but... <laughs> so, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is that spectrum's really tough. And just before the show, like, Kat, um, you know, pulled up... Ra- what is it called? The rape triangle spectrum? <laughs> the rape triangle. The, the rape culture triangle. The rape triangle. pyramid. The rape pyramid or the rape, rape culture? Rape culture. Sorry. Rape, rape culture, culture pyramid. pyramid. Yeah. Is it like the food pyramid? Like, more of this little Sort bit of. of that. Yeah, except don't do all of it. Don't, don't do any of it. No, right. Yeah. 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 Okay. The oxygenarian... Of the food. Yeah. One one of the key reasons when I was thinking, oh shit, we have to do the next topic on on men's violence against women, even though I'm going to fuck up and it's going to be awkward and it's going to be, you know, several moments of... When keeping it real goes wrong. I want to say to to men out there, it's not the end of the world to get on the air and kind of fuck up and, and say things in not quite right frame or... I put myself on that that spectrum of, of men who are participating in rape culture rather than spending all this time and energy of me saying, oh, no, I would never rape someone or hit, hit a woman. Because, you know, I've, I've, had, I've had, you know, big arguments with, with female partners in the past where it's, they would have felt scared of me. I haven't hit them, but they would have been terrified of me. I'm angry. I'm terrifying. So that's me on the spectrum of, uh, you know, I can't get out clean. I think... I would just say out there to, to men listening to this, if you've made it this far, forget trying to clean yourself up and just lean in and say, oh, okay, well, have, if I've laughed at a joke participating in rape culture and objectification of women's bodies. So for me, it's, it's, it's a load off my mind to go, yeah, well, I'm on that spectrum. I must be. I have to be. And, if, and unless you've gone and lived in a tent on the top of a hill somewhere, you probably are participating in rape culture too. What, what do you guys think of that idea? It's so awkward that I'm being so long-winded, so please... Forgive me. It's one of my desires that, like, by talking about this is just to challenge that idea that you have to take some big grandiose or um, whatever action in order to call out this. So you don't have to be on a podcast, but, you know, when you look at that triangle that you were sort of that you showed us earlier it's from the simplest of gestures that you can actually start to call out the kind of behavior that ultimately lends itself to the top of the triangle so anyone can do anything mm. really it doesn't have to be a big deal you can you were saying beforehand that the disappointment you felt i mean i know you just sort of talked about that a little bit but you want me to be more disappointed no <laughs> i don't want anything i'm just if you think this has nothing to do with you, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, it has something to do with... Everybody has plays a role in this. Rape culture affects everybody. And if you're not participating in it, then you're complicit mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, yeah I've... Um, I mean, obviously, I've not done enough. It brought me to tears, the Eurydice case. And when I've exchanged views about it with friends, I've, I've been... Or the, the tone has, has just been one of sorrow. But it stopped there. It yes. stopped there. Yes. And it's almost, it, it is exactly, we've abjectified these cases, that they are happening in, on such a yeah, level of... Abjectifying. Abjectifying, objectifying. yeah. Oh, they're like, radically distance, evil. Distancing, yeah. Um, there not it just such a sad thing that that radical evil exists mm. over there? Mm. That's how, how I've come, come to it. It's crime, crime is bad, let's move on. So it's like the Nazis, it's like, oh, they were the exception, rather than seeing, well, actually a lot of kind of Western states have got those tendencies. Mm, you know, liberal democracies, capitalism has kind of got all those tendencies. (laughs) But I haven't joined the conversation much because I I don't know how to connect up. I I, I don't know how to turn it from a, okay, black and white, good over here, bad over there, to a continuum. Mm. 
um, maybe I'm being intellectually lazy, but I don't know what practical steps. Mm. Well, let me ask you, when I, was, when I was sort of outing myself on the rape culture spectrum, were you like, yeah, Luke, I always have thought you were a bit rapey? Or were you like, nah, dude, you're giving yourself way too hard a time? Like, did you have a reaction when I thought about that while I was saying that? Yeah, mine was, please don't let me do that. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> the confessional approach, a good approach. I'm not getting up onto moral high ground and looking down on other men who haven't participated or said anything or shared anything. I'm not trying to separate myself from those men. I'm saying, watch me open my mouth and demonstrate why other men maybe don't feel comfortable. But to say, that's not the end of the world. It's okay to get that vulnerability there and put that out there. And men love certainty and they love showing that they've got mastery and control of their environment. Any reflections on that? I guess that, just thinking of the blurry area of like, I don't think I know a single woman who hasn't experienced a date that's gone wrong. And it's like, are they going to be violent? I don't really know. Maybe I should mm. just sleep with them and get this over and done. How will they cope mm. with rejection? Mm. Yeah, and it's sort of like path of least resistance is to mm. just go through this because I can't quite weigh up the character of this person. Which another show on t- Tinder and Bumble and how it's created heaps of bad dates, like blind dates. Yeah. The, the rejection count must have skyrocketed, yeah. right? Yes. And yeah. those, that decision, that choice, that moment. But that, that decision in that moment is not necessarily fueled by the particular behaviour of that one male. It's the collective. Mm. And it's sort of like you you experience enough or you heard stories and whatever and then you're in this situation. It's like, mm. Mm. I don't know. I used to take it so personally if a woman acted like I was threatening her or, or I was trying to seduce her or I was I was playing some kind of trick. It's taken me an embarrassingly long amount of time to understand why so many women react that way because they're waiting for the next man to do something completely inappropriate or illegal. Mm. And uh, that, that shocked me when I realised it, but then equally shocked by how long I took to understand and appreciate that. For you, that was your journey as a progressive person, so... And what about everybody else? Like, Well, as a person. Well, um, no, but I, I'm just saying, like, even, you know, you are one of the most progressive sort of, I would say, pretty in touch, fairly connected kind of a guy, and you still had to go through a journey to get to that place. So what about everybody else? Like, this is a very long-term game that we're playing here, you know, to get the kind of awareness mm. to make that kind of cultural change to make women feel more safe more often i think that's a really interesting observation but i have to push back on it i think it's one of those things where it's like i can give you guys like great advice after the show if you're having a problem <laughs> but when i'm involved and it's my fucking problem i'm just a giant baby mm. i'm an idiot I'm, I'm i'm hurt easily and i have thoughts that won't go away and, <laughs> you know i'm just a little bumbling little fool like we all find other people's problems easier to solve than our own right mm. so you know it's great that you see me that way <laughs> I just take it, Luke. Just uh, take ben, that one and run right. with it. Ben, have you got any thought you'd love to share? Well, that was just something really um, interesting that you just said because um, you've been on the receiving end of a lack of trust from a woman you've been on a date with. And as you, you rightly point out, like you'd like. Her... I'm not scared she's going to get no, angry and kill No, of course not. No. Uh, you'd like her to kind of recognise the beautiful little snowflake you are, but unfortunately she's seen, she's seen first and foremost a man. There's no guarantee that you are that beautiful snowflake. Right. But there's a kind of a self-interested reason why all men do need to get into the to the battle because in some respects, like from a very self-interested point of view for men, like their lives would be a lot easier if they weren't, just by virtue of being men, scaring women. 
mm-hmm. just yes. by being with you. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier on when you were talk when you're both talking about anger, you're both talking about all the things you could do. What you didn't talk about was what women do first, which is call each other mm. and talk it out for a good couple of hours mm. and keep tabs on each other. And I was like, hey, going with that thing, you know, mm. and how lonely that must feel. I help produce um, two girlfriends podcasts together. It's on female friendships and what they do. You know, like podcasts are such a great way to talk about things that aren't in the mainstream media. And the way that that talk and share and support, you know, I've, I've got that with a couple of male friends, but only, only a couple like, thank God for my friendships with women. Like, I mean, I sometimes feel I have that with you, Ben. And sometimes yeah, I don't. But yeah, my, my, I sometimes lack the words. My, yeah, my half dozen closest friends are probably five of them are women. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to live without those. I think I do those kinds of conversations. Yeah. Like, but I mean, both of you are right here having this discussion, so. Mm. Not around the sample. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> We will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. When you exert a force on one end of the lever... For me personally, it's just showing visibility. You know, Mm. liking posts. I know it's Facebook and I know Mm. it's trivial to like posts, but like your women's posts, like your friends' posts, comment on it, share it, start talking about it, make a statement, even if you don't Mm. know Mm. where to start. Show that you're participating. Yeah. Show that there is a group of men willing to stand up for yeah. this, this thing it. as a community. Make mm. it normal. Take the burden off of women. Demonstrate that the equality you believe in is real. Mm. And what about that constituency that is actually like, oh, this doesn't apply to me. And I would never do something like that. Neither would all of my mates were all really like gender equal kind of feminists almost. Um, but I think this campaign is going a little bit too far i understand in a way how they've gotten to that perspective and it's because it's not a lived experience on a daily basis so it's just this really strange and ambiguous thing so all they see is these irate women um getting all radical rather than understanding how they got there (laughs) yeah i'm not interested in so much converting them i want the good men to stand up so that they can go hey mate no it's okay she Mm. she's She's that way for a reason. It's fair to... I'll, I'll mansplain it to you. Yeah. Uh, so men need a safe place. Men need other leaders. They do. They need situational to, to awareness. To sit down and have that conversation amongst themselves and connect the dots between rape culture, gender inequality, mm. male suicide, drinking culture, all these other things that affect men mm. and the different routes that they go down when mm. they're not emotionally balanced. Yeah. It's definitely a men's health issue. And they need to pick up the slack in that department. Women's death is a men's health issue. <laughs> yep. Um, among other things. Taken out of context, but yeah. Super weird. That's sort of like the interconnectedness of our of our world. I've, I've got a bit of a response for that question, Ben. For that group who say, no, no, this has all gone a bit far now and so on. And I'm thinking of like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. I like the Goodwill Hunting lead of that group in a way. Where we want to be seen as oh, yeah. good Progressive people. bros. Progressive bros. Yeah, totally. Brutalists. I just want to make a comment about being man enough rather than find your voice and stand up for yourself and, you know, you're not in school, you're not about to be locked in your locker by the tougher boys. Like, just just shut up. Just, you know, STFU, you know, shut the fuck up and be man enough to listen and not need to immediately yeah. have a knee-jerk defensive response. So I've been on that journey myself about, um, you know, the, the Zizek book, Violence, where it talks about, like, if you can recount every detail in cold clinical 
ultra-rational detail, that might be a sign that your experience is not authentic. It's actually the, the, the wild, emotive, difficult method of delivery. It's the anger, it's the frustration, it's the get, get your act together. Like Catherine, you and I have a couple of mutual friends who have given me some pretty short shrift on uh, social media in the last couple of weeks. And it's, it's not a place where I need to stick up for myself and go, no, 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 you're not listening to me. Yeah. That is not appropriate. It's, uh, and, and, and I was thinking of Rose McGowan and how she's, you know, she's shaved off her hair and she's come across as extremely bolshy on this issue. And yeah, for, for men who want to say, oh, well, this is all going a bit far and, you know, oh, gee, she, she, Rose McGowan sounds a little out of control there and so on. Um, yeah, what you said about think, like, imagining what got people to that place. Um, I mean, I'll just read you something that, that she wrote, wrote about. She's been having this argument with Melissa Milano and her husband works for CAA, the Creative Arts Agency. She says, I know Alyssa's married to a CAA agent. Do the math. Who's behind Time's Up? CAA. Where do they meet? CAA. Who needs good PR right now? CAA. Who are part of the pimp problem? CAA. So the traumatised voice has more authenticity when you're talking about violence. I think exactly the same thing when white lawyers are making decisions about how authentic boat arrivals are, refugees are. Because it's the position of trauma, like, oh, what, you don't have your identity documents? Oh, what's that? You, oh, oh, your story's changed. Oh, what's that? You're showing signs of, you know, mental stress. And, uh, you know, th- these aren't reasons to doubt the person. How do you call out men who are misogynist? We don't have to name kind of you can pick up the I think content. you have to name. I think it's... Can't you just uh, say, that's not, that doesn't make sense, mate, and here's why. Yeah, but... How can you say that when... Another thing is, like, the, 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 the kind of, like, the, the patronising... Thing I, I think almost feeds the problem because I don't, I don't know what's the patronizing part well telling mates how to act like because you're you know better I think but, if it consistently happens over and over and over yeah eventually it's not about being patronizing it's like okay this guy actually genuinely thinks I shouldn't be doing this so ever. the problem with you know women jump in the crossfire constantly for other women mm-hmm. uh, you know you'd be at a bar mm-hmm. and someone's a man is harassing a woman, men will stand around and, and go, oh, I'm not going to get involved in that. And then a group of women will will intervene. We're able to intervene because we're not taken seriously. Mm. Or it's, it's right. there's something sexy about it, you know. It's, it's not actually shifting the behaviour, it's just deflecting it. Reminds me of something in Community Change, Social Change, the first follow-up, and it's this footage you can find on YouTube. It's someone like it's this crazy person... Dancing on a hill at a festival and dancing on their own, they look they look crazy. They look completely crazy. And then someone joins them. And now there's two people dancing crazy on a hill. And over time, everyone on the hill is dancing crazy. Doesn't look crazy anymore. Right. So and and the idea is that the first follower is the is that first affirmation. So the first person who changes the behaviour and says, "Oh, oh, mate, that's that's not okay. Like it's not okay for you to have said yeah. that. Or here's why it's not okay to say that. That might look crazy." But then the next person the says, yeah, he's right, That's you can't do that. Mm. All of a sudden, normalised. And, and I just wonder works. if that's practical social change at a real micro level. What, what do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah, I've been in situations where men that I thought were relatively like-minded to me started, it becomes like a like a misogynist little rabble. But I've, I've been the only one to be there. And, and sure, there's a lot of pressure on you not to kind of just shut them down. It's hard mm. to do. But there's been no one to back me up. Yes, yes, yes. So you're right. You need that. That's inverted as well, that, that first follower thing. So there's the alpha male 
who can get away with saying and doing whatever, but actually it's the ones who can't come in and imitate him mm-hmm. who are probably more of the problem. Oh, I and I'd probably argue the ones that go about the actual acts because the actual alpha male doesn't have to because he's just riding along on top. But the thing is, like, when you say actual acts, what do you mean? Well, actual violence. Harassment and violence. See, I think the harassment and violence comes from people who... comes from men who have failed the legitimate, um, authorised systems of male power and male identity. Yeah. And and it's it's an explosion of... It's like a return of the repressed kind of situation. They're failing in the, the regulated civil codes that decide male power and dominance within the male group. It's my boat, it's justice, it's law, it's the vibe, and uh, no, that's it, it's the vibe. Alright, look, I think, it, who knows, like, listeners can, can say what they what they make of this, but um, I'd just really like to thank everyone for coming in and doing this, and uh Pushing, pushing yourselves and uh, and where we pushed each other to really come up with the best way possible into this topic. So, uh, yeah, I'll say thank you very much, Kat. Melanie, it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Mel. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Luke. Thank final you, Final comment? Yeah, we're going to have rum. That's our final. All right, we're having rum. <laughs> and I'm probably going to put on my favourite song and just deal with my feelings a little bit. <laughs> All right, we're out. Cheers, bye. It's my boat, it's justice, it's law, it's the vibe. And, uh, uh, no, that's it, it's the vibe. You have a cat? I did, I'm going to get another one. Okay, awesome. Well, ironically, I, I mean, I've gained so much from listening to I was you. asking the women, but go on. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, no, 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 I, I, I was too interrupted by you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. When keeping it real goes wrong. I was going to say... I'm oh, man questioning. Can you mansplain? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was going to point out that Facebook has really taught me uh, so much uh, to improve my politics by listening to the people around me. Facebook was invented as a tool to rate women on campus, for co- college boys to rate on women not. on campus, and it accidentally ended up being something we all used. Anyway, I'm probably, I'll see about cutting that and putting it afterwards, <laughs> or I might keep it in there as a the nice... Outtakes. <laughs> I might keep it in there as a nice self-reflexive moment, uh, mm. because part of the things of this is I was worried that I wouldn't get it all right. Oh, would you rather me talk, to say in my normal voice, or would you like me to do it in my comedic... I'm totally ripping off the no, chaser. Voice. You yeah. can't read something written by a woman. Yeah, comedic voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Not the time. I knew I invited you here for a reason, Kat. That was the moment right there. Or maybe Kat should read it. Do you want to read it, Kat? Yeah. Um, All right, let's give it a whirl. Oh, Jesus. Wet the tubes.